This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Hope everyone had a great holiday weekend. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your recruiting questions for a chance to get it answered on an upcoming mailbag episode. We had our first one last week. It was a huge success. And if you're listening to this podcast directly on a 24-7 sports website, whether that's in a message board or in an article, remember, you can get the show directly on your phone the moment it gets published. So hit that subscribe button and join the fun here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. We're going to be joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. We're going to break down what he saw out of the Elite 11 Finals big-time commitment for Caleb Williams, a five-star quarterback who announced his decision to Oklahoma. Also, a number of other decisions across the country, including LSU landing a big-time receiver. And speaking of pass catchers, the Pac-12 North programs, Washington, Cal, and Oregon, all adding prospects at the receiver position. Before we get to all that, before we get to Charles, this is the kickoff. 29 commitments on the 4th of July. If you didn't go outside to see the fireworks, all you had to do was follow the action on 24-7 Sports. When you think about the big recruiting days in a calendar year, you think about the early signing period, which is on a Wednesday in the middle of December. You think about the first Wednesday of February, which is National Signing Day. You think of other holidays such as Thanksgiving and Christmas and even Mother's Day. I feel like recruits are also making it known on Mother's Day, on Father's Day, on their mother's birthday, on their own birthday, that they are making their their commitments and they make that day even more special. Well, now the 4th of July could be definitely circled on that calendar. We had 29 commitments on the day, including Caleb Williams, who we touched on earlier, five-star quarterback headed to Oklahoma. So the Sooners get another major pickup. But I think it's a, a, a direct translation and a direct correlation of what's happening in the current recruiting period because the dead period was extended to the end of August. I think recruits started to realize that they will not be able to take visits later on. In, in the summer, it'll have to wait until September, and some can't wait any further. So now you add in the, the big day, 4th of July, the fireworks, the barbecue, being around families, celebrating uh, what this nation is. And I think a lot of the recruits realized this was a great moment, a great time for them to come off the board. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not this date continues to be a big one. But I certainly feel like in the current landscape, it, it has a chance heading into the end of the summer to be a big hit with recruits. It's time now to check in with our guests here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Checking in with Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Power. Charles, how you doing? Good. Good, Blair. Um, you know, 4th of July weekend, a little, a little different 4th of July than I guess 
uh, you know, I guess we're typically accustomed to, but can't complain. Um, we had some football to, to watch, uh, over the last week. So, so yeah, just kind of processing all of that. A lot of fireworks too. And, and, and in a literal sense, and then also yeah. on recruiting, we're going to touch on that in, in a bit, but I did want to get your thoughts on the big event that took place last week and it wrapped up in Nashville, Tennessee. That was the elite 11 finals. Caleb Williams, who came off the board to Oklahoma, a five-star quarterback announced to the Sooners on the 4th of July. But before that, he was out at Elite 11. He was named the MVP. What did you think of his performance overall, just seeing the video, dissecting everything that we were able to see? Yeah, so I think first off, it's probably, probably need to kind of lay out um, just the, the, the setup with, with this event since we weren't there in person. We you know, have, a, have a relationship with, with the UC report to where we can get a ton of video. So in addition to watching the the live feed of the three days we were able to kind of go back in and um, dive back into the video from multiple angles as well um, we could watch like a high view and um, you know under center and so we, we got a pretty good look at these guys um, over the, the course of the three days that they were in Nashville but I thought Caleb Williams I thought he was was solid um, you know he didn't I think he started off really fast the first day um, when they were just kind of going through through drills I thought he looked Really, and it wasn't just me who thought this. I think as a group, we kind of thought this. Uh, he looked far and away the the most comfortable and and really like the best quarterback, high school quarterback there. I thought he was really. I put this in the superlatives piece I wrote. I thought he was really tit for tat with the college guys there, like Justin Fields and Trey Lance, um, some of the top college quarterbacks in the country, and guys that are probably gonna get drafted pretty high. Just kind of going throw throw for throw with with those guys. Um, I think Caleb came back to earth a little bit the last two days, you know, during his pro day. Um, I thought he, it seemed like he kind of started to to aim or, or kind of press a little bit. Um, he, he kind of had one throw to his left that was a little off. And I think he kind of got down on himself and, and uh, probably wasn't quite the performance he wanted. Um, and that, that's, it's a small sample that day. I mean, they're probably doing 20 throws in, in the day. And um, so, so, but he, I thought he looked really good and kind of showed the flashes that you would think uh, you're expect from the number one quarterback in the country the first day. And he probably came back to the, the pack a little bit on, on day two and day three. So um, I, I think, you know, I, Barton Simmons has said this and I agree. I mean, I, I think it's a little more of an open competition for the top quarterback in the country this year than, than maybe in years past, you know, last year we kind of had the top two with Bryce Young and DJ Uyangalale. He went to Alabama and Clemson respectively. Um, and and it was a little bit of a drop off, but but this this year I think it's it's a more of a wide open race um, coming out of this Elite Eleven. Yeah, and, and it caused a bit of an uproar, even though we already knew right that the the Elite Eleven list and the MVP at, at you know at the surface is being evaluated from a body of work standpoint, right? So they they take into account fifty percent junior film and performance, and then fifty percent of the actual camp evaluation. And, right. and I think that's more of the foresight of the event and the structure, right? Where you're looking at it and saying, oh, in four or five years, who do we really want to be among the Elite 11 for this 2021 right. class? So they right. do, they, they have to, they, it has to be that way, I feel like, because if you're going to be a part of such a prestigious uh, group and, and, a, and a selected Elite 11, uh, I do feel like when you go into an event like this, what you've done before has to carry some weight. So obviously, Caleb Williams came out on top. 
uh, a guy that maybe pushed him the hardest was Ty Thompson. I thought he was phenomenal. Oregon commit from the state of Arizona. Uh, we saw him at the Elite 11 Regional in Los Angeles, me and Greg Biggins. Tyler Buckner, the Notre Dame commit, had earned his invite there. And Miller Moss, who eventually committed to USC, also earned his invite. Ty had to wait a little bit, but I thought that he went in there with something to prove. He had a statement to make, and I thought he made it. For sure. Um, I, that was one of my bigger takeaways from this. And Blair, I think it's. I'm, I'm going to probably write a uh, article about this in the next uh, couple days, like early, early in the week. Um, but and it's, this ties in with Ty Thompson and kind of what you're, you're leading to that with putting this event in context and kind of what do we, what kind of things can we take away from this event, right? Uh, and I think one of the main things we can take away is you know we we can splice the the performance and but but I think you're probably like in, in, in nitpick performances and, you know, say, well, this guy finished a second faster than this guy in the speed drill or whatever. But I think the way to look at this is you have to remember that they're throwing on air. There's no defense. It's, it's basically kind of like a throwing competition. And so what we can take away from it is physical traits, uh, kind of skills where they're at. And it, it really allows us to compare these guys side by side for the first time. Cause we aren't getting a ton of regional camps, obviously this cycle, um, so on that note, one of my main takeaways was Ty Thompson looks legit in terms of his skill set physically. Uh, I thought he, he just kind of pops off the screen. I mean, I, I'm not the only person who thinks this is anybody who watched it probably going to come away with this takeaway, but he looks very, very physically talented. And I was, I, it was really kind of the total package. Like he's got a really good foundational base and, and I thought his feet were, were exceptional. His, I thought he had the best drops. Like I think when I, like when I did the superlatives, uh, I gave him the award for quickest because everything he did was just kind of twitchy. Um, getting the ball out quick in the quick game, his drops, his play action fakes, throwing on the run, I thought was was exceptional. Uh, really, you know, one of the better arms there. There was a, it was a group of strong arms, but but man, like this was you know we had Ty Thompson has flashed on on his video. Like I think he makes a, a lot of throws. Um, Trent Dilfer said he has a deep throw catalog, which I, I thought was actually like a really good way of describing it. Um, and so, I mean, I think you have to come away from this event impressed with, with the Oregon commit. And I think he throws himself in there when you're talking about just from a physical talent standpoint among the best in this, in this group, in this, you know, 2021 cycle, which is pretty deep, you know, with, with, with quality quarterbacks. We're joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24 seven sports. You could follow him on Twitter at Charles Power. And if you haven't, make sure to go over to the website and read his superlatives piece where he breaks down essentially uh gives, hands out some awards for the elite 11 finals uh one that i thought was very interesting and and i definitely agreed with you um was the best zip which was it, it went to michigan commit jj mccarthy and you also and you shared it with tennessee commit caden salter when watching the film and watching some of the tape i thought mccarthy's arm talent just from a pure natural talent was just exceptional. I think the ball just comes out of his hands so easy. Uh, I'm if I'm a Michigan Wolverines fan, I'm really excited based on what I saw this last week. Yeah, I thought JJ McCarthy is is you know if we kind of fast or rewind back in this 2021 cycle, we were putting um, the initial top two four seven together. A lot of the quarterbacks in this in this 
class were really, they were getting recruited really heavily early on. I think it was the earliest I've seen these quarterbacks coming off the board and these schools were, you know, kind of picking their guy uh, in, in 2021, like, prior to the junior season, there were some of these guys that didn't even start and they were getting major offers. And I thought we, we ranked JJ McCarthy. I, like he was one of the top quarterbacks. I think about maybe it was the number two uh, quarterback initially. Cause he just had such a good sophomore year and kind of at the time, the, the knock on him was he's a little like physically immature, kind of like skinny. Um, not, not the biggest guy, but man, like he's grown, he's grown. I think he's close to six, three. He was like one ninety, and he's still, got like a, a pretty thin frame, but, um, I think, so I think he has some room to add on, but I'm not concerned about his size anymore. Like in the, the arm is there. I think he's progressed. Uh, like you said, Blair, I mean, it's, you know, I thought throwing the ball to the middle of the field, especially was, was what kind of stood out to me. Um, so yeah, I agree with you. I think Michigan fans, um, should, should be excited for JJ McCarthy. I think, you know, he's to me probably comfortably the, the best high school um, quarterback that Jim Harbaugh has had committed or in is, is on pace to sign since he's been at Michigan. So um, I would be really excited about, about having him committed. And I thought it was a, a pretty good showing for JJ. Um, he was definitely one of the, one of the better guys there and pretty, pretty steady all day. I considered giving him like the, the steady hand award. Um, you know, there were times where he probably maybe like when I went back and watched it, he was probably a little more erratic than I thought, but I thought on the whole, he was good every day. So, so I, I agree with you there. In that same superlatives piece, you gave the award for strongest arm to Ohio State commit Kyle McCord. So that's going to be an interesting battle, right? A guy that can just let it fire and then a guy that just has a really strong arm and can hit receivers deep. And obviously, Ohio State has the number one recruiting class right now. Kyle McCord continued to prove that he's going to be an important part of that group. Yeah, Kyle McCord. So there was, there was, a, there was a lot of guys who, you know, Caleb Williams, obviously. There's a lot of guys who had, had strong arms. But I went with Kyle McCord because I thought he had hit like his throws. He did not have to strain. Um, it was the easiest for him to just kind of generate the the velocity and, and the downfield, um, you know, the downfield throws. So um, a guy who really like the first day we were watching it, we were kind of talking amongst our, our group. Be like, man, he's just, he's throwing straight fastballs. It was almost like it almost kind of led the question like, could he layer his throws, take a little bit off? Um, you know, his, the, the front of the ball was dipping a little bit, but he really like took a little off and threw some touch the, the second and third day, um, and kind of showed that he was a little, had a little more nuance to his passing than he showed just the first day. I think he just kind of came out and was just letting it rip the first day, um, which he certainly can do, but yeah, it's, he's a very easy arm strength. So that's kind of why I went with him as the strongest arm. But like I said, there's a couple other guys who, who could have been in the mix, but, um, <clears throat> I decided to kind of give him the nod just for. Uh, you know, the fact that he wasn't really putting his whole body into it like a lot of the other guys. You are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Stay right here. We're about to get into all the fireworks that happen in the recruiting world over the weekend. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Back here on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast, my name is Blair Angulo, joined by special guest Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter, at Charles Power. We touched on it earlier, Charles, with Caleb Williams committing to Oklahoma. Lincoln Riley adds another highly touted quarterback to his room. I really like what I've seen out of Spencer Rattler in some of the the, the film and, and some of the the tape that's out there of him not only working out this offseason out in Arizona, where, he, where he's originally from, but also in the past and what he's been able to do on campus. Uh, when you add a, a Caleb Williams, I think people, people might think, oh, you know, it's another five-star, the rich get richer. But when I look at that, I think it just elevates what's already there, right? It's not only just adding another five-star, but I think that's going to push Spencer Rattler even more. And, and I think that's where the benefit comes from. No doubt. I mean, like when you look at Oklahoma's quarterbacks, um, they've really had a, a lot of competition on, on campus. If like you think about, you know, whenever Lincoln Riley got to Norman, Trevor Knight was the incumbent starter. They had Baker Mayfield transferring in. Uh, so there was a competition there. And then Baker gets the job, uh, takes them to the playoffs, and then Kyler Murray transfers in. So you have Kyler Murray pushing Baker Mayfield. So uh, they've definitely had multiple arms on campus uh, throughout most of Lincoln Riley's tenure. So I, I think that would for sure, like I think that competition would be great. And, you know, we, we've looked at this. I know Barton Simmons ha, has talked about this. It, when, when you look at a lot of the top quarterbacks, especially guys who transfer or in who end up being like high draft picks, um, a lot of times they'll, they'll follow, uh, they, they aren't scared. Like they'll follow another top quarterback and, you know, we had that a couple years ago with, with Justin Fields and Jake Fromm. So um, I don't think, you know, I, I think these guys are, are just looking for the best opportunity, the best college fit. And Caleb Williams is a great fit at Oklahoma. Like I think he, like the whole, the full playbook is going to be open with Lincoln Riley uh, with his ability to, to run on desired runs. He's obviously a really skilled passer as, as well, talented arm. Um, so, so I think he can do a lot. He kind of brings a little bit of a skill set uh, that, you know, that they've had with the with the multiple quarterbacks. He's played under center, can kind of play in structure like Baker Mayfield, um, has some dynamic creativity like Kyler Murray, and brings the design run game um, like Jalen Hurts. So, you know, it's it's another one that I think we're all kind of eager to to see how it's going to shake out with, with Spencer Rattler um, being the the first like five star quarterback that Lincoln Riley signed out of high school because all the other other guys were were, were transfers. But it seems like he's like kind of like Lincoln Riley's kind of settling in and they're getting it rolling on the high school recruit standpoint. So um, having two five stars in the room, certainly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a, a pretty big deal and th that sets you up well. And they're heavily in the mix for, for Quinn Ewers, who is the top, the current top quarterback in the 2022 cycle. Um, so, I, you know, I don't really see the uh, the quarterback factory slowing down anytime soon in Oklahoma. No, and, and without a doubt, when you look at quarterbacks and the ones that are considering the Sooners, you don't fault them at all. Even the fact that they do have a loaded quarterback room, if you're going there and even if you have to sit a year or maybe two right. years, you know you're going to get the development. You know you're going to get the competition that's going to raise your own game. And I think that's what anyone would really want, right? Uh, you know, you look at what they're able to do in, in the past, especially, you know, winning the Heisman Trophy we like to have and, and, and being a quarterback factory. You don't fault anyone, you know, especially a guy like yours who, you know, might look at it on the surface and say, oh, well, Caleb Williams just committed. But yeah, just look at what Caleb Williams just did. He committed to them and they have Spencer and a couple other guys in that room. So it's going right. to be very interesting moving forward for the Sooners, but they're recruiting at an elite level at that quarterback position. 
Uh, LSU also made some noise over the weekend. Uh, they, they set off their own fireworks. They landed a couple commitments uh, from Keanu Cott. He's a four-star defensive end from the state of Florida. And they also got receiver Chris Hilton. He's an in-state prospect from Zachary High School. Uh, more of a shiftier slot type, but he's a top 70 prospect in the 24-7 sports composite. And he adds another electric playmaker at the receiver position in this 2021 class for the Tigers. Yeah, no doubt. I, that, I think to me, that's the story with LSU um, is they're really putting together uh, a pretty scary group of pass catchers the last two cycles. Um, it, and Chris Hilton, I'll, I just, just touching on him first, you know, he, I think coming out of his sophomore year, he had a case to maybe be the top receiver in the, in the cycle. Um, phenomenal sophomore season. Uh, he led Zachary to a state championship game, actually had a game-winning touchdown uh, where he kind of broke loose on a catch-and-run to, to win the state title in the Superdome. Um, and really, really strong athletic profile. He's a seven-foot high jumper, which, I mean, for those who don't know high jump numbers, that is, I mean, that is a really good, like that's going to win state championship in almost any state. Um, and he had a seven-foot high jump, I think, as a sophomore. Um, fast. Both of his parents were actually sprinters in, in college. So he's obviously got, got the genetics, just really, really athletic. I mean, I think he went to the, the opening regional last year. He had a 4 4 5 40, um, 36 and a half inch vertical. He runs an 11 1. And when you watch his, his video and his camp video, he is uh, just really twitchy and like he has the ability to kind of go up and make some acrobatic catches, especially as a guy who's sub six feet. Um, that, that you just don't really see. Now, the, the thing with Chris Hilton is when you combine him with the guys that LSU has, I mean, they have a great receiver class already committed, um, you know, in, in, in 2021 with, with, with JoJo Earl out of Alito, Texas, probably one of the more sh- like the shiftier, um, better slot receivers in the country. Deion Smith, who I like a lot out of, out of Mississippi, and then Chris Hilton, and they're heavily in the mix with Brian Thomas, who's our number two rated receiver. Um, in the 2021 cycle. Combine those guys with Eric Gilbert, who is one of the best tight ends we've ever seen come out of high school, five-star. I think he might have, in the, in the composite, maybe have been the highest-rated tight end. And Keyshawn Boutte, he was also a five-star, the number three receiver last year. I mean, that's, that's a really dynamic six-man group uh, of pass catchers. And I think in a couple years, LSU is going to have a really good shot of having one of the deeper and better um, wide receiver cores pass catching cores in the country so um a lot to be excited about there for sure um especially they do end up do end up landing brian thomas um and keanu coat uh is another he's one of the better pass rushers that, we, that we've seen in the class and he's top 247 guy out of south florida um i think anytime you go into south florida and get get a skilled pass rusher that's you know that's obviously a, a pretty big deal um he's a guy who is very athletic he looked good in camps um this this spring before the shutdown, or I guess kind of like early winter before the shutdown. Um, and, uh, you know, I think he's still coming along a little bit. Uh, I think he'll, he was, he's kind of primed to make a jump his last season of high school football. Um, but, but it's kind of a, that speed rusher uh, who can maybe he could play standing up or, or put his hand in the ground um, and, and really kind of fits LSU's scheme, kind of what they like for, for guys on the edge. So I guess that's another big get as well. Um, I know he was pretty highly coveted. So, um, Man, that's that's two. That's a two. Uh, pretty good, pretty good weekend. Uh, two man pull for for LSU. Yeah, two guys that are ranked within the top 150 in the composite. We're joined by Charles Power. He's a national analyst for 24/7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter 
at Charles Power. Uh, I'm, I'm sure Garrett Nussmeyer is really happy, right? Given all the, given what they're oh, doing yeah. right now at the receiver position, Nussmeyer was also named to the lead 11. So LSU also doing big things nationally and, and, and making some waves. There was a number of other receivers that also decided to make their decision this last weekend. I'm not sure what it was exactly, but I think something was in the air, right? With with the, the yeah. fireworks and the celebration and, and and everyone trying to make it an event. We I mentioned it earlier. We had 29 commitments on Saturday alone. So uh, from the start of the day till till nighttime, when Caleb Williams shut his his recruitment down, 29 players. I mean that for a single day. That's that's up there with like Christmas and early signing period days and 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 February heading into the national signing day traditionally after official visit weekends. I mean, this was just an or, unorthodox uh I think culmination of things, right? Where not only did recruits I think start to realize, oh, you know, the summer is here, I need to start kind of making a decision, but also I think it culminated with the fact that the NCAA recently extended the dead period to the end of August. So I think every recruit just started to realize, oh, well, official visits aren't going to take place until after the season gets underway if we do have a season. So it was a very weird, weird day, but it made for a lot of um, activity. Uh, the receivers uh, that are headed to the Pac-12, um, Cal got one and J. Michael Sturdivant uh, from Texas and Isaiah Brevard uh, is headed to Oregon. Um, th- those were two that are leaving the region. And then there was Javaz T- uh, Tane from the state of Washington committing to the nearby Huskies. Yeah. I, yeah. It, Blair, it did. It, I, I get, I get like slight signing day vibes um, on, on July 4th. You're, you're, you're definitely right about that. Uh, I, you know, J. Michael Sturdivant, Isaiah Brevard. Yeah. I think they're both two really talented receivers um Sturdivant is plays with Garrett Nussmeyer at Flower Mound Marcus in, in the Dallas area um so I think for for Cal to come in and get a you know top 200 receiver out of the state of Texas is is definitely big I mean it's not something you see every day so so I and I, I like the class that Cal's putting together um and so I think to add to add him um he's a guy who isn't really necessarily um he's not like I think he's originally from Kansas he's not like necessarily um tethered to, to playing, you know, in, in Texas, a guy who hasn't lived there long. So I think he probably was one who was, you know, maybe a little more willing to go out of state um, and just polished overall uh, good after the catch. Uh, yeah. I think he's just kind of a, a solid all around receiver. And I, Isaiah Brevard was well, he's kind of a, a taller, long strider outside guy um, can go up and, and make uh, contested catches. I know gr- our, our colleague, Greg Biggins was uh you know, impressed with him at the future 50 camp, uh, in, in January, he actually played, he plays at South Haven high school in Mississippi. And, um, his quarterback was, um, is actually Jimmy holiday who signed with, with Tennessee, uh, kind of more of a runner. So he didn't have like a ton of like catching opportunities, but, um, you know, it looks pretty good. I, I think, Blair, I was going to, I was going to ask you, is it like, since we are just kind of seeing some of these Pac-12 schools go out of the region, is it like a little bit of a down year? like out West with, with, with the receivers, do you think it's just kind of like a, like a little bit of overflow or is there something like maybe that you think is like attributing to that? No, I do feel like it's been a, a down year at the receiver position specifically. And I think that comes down to Southern California. Um, you know, Northern California usually has a, a receiver or two. And, and obviously we see it with Troy Franklin, who's committed to Oregon. Uh, the state of Washington has a receiver or two every class this year. It's five-star Mecca Buka. 
but he's already kind of setting his sights on out-of-state programs, right? He's got Ohio State up there, Oklahoma, Clemson, uh, you know, Washington would be the local option for him. Um, But I I do feel like there's, there's a lack of receiver talent in Southern California where we usually see double-digit prospects that are power five level. I just don't know if the numbers are there. So I think it has affected the way these Pac-12 programs approach the process and they have to go national. Yeah, I mean, I'm just scrolling down the the our receiver rankings on 24-7 sports and I mean, you're, you're right. Like there's not a ton of guys from Southern California. There, I, I mean, there was one recently. Yeah, there was one recently yeah. who committed Christian Dixon to Michigan, right? And, right. and so, and I think he always had his sights set on on leaving. So even the guys that are worthy of, of maybe staying closer to home or, or being coveted as much as they are, uh, I just think that there's been, you know, a lack of, of quantity at, at that receiver position. Yeah, especially it seems like that maybe compared to the 2020 cycle as well, because it seemed like it was pretty, SoCal was pretty deep in 2020 receivers, it, it felt like. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's probably kind of an interesting geographical trend to look at and then you have another one we have players you know xavier worthy i, I know the out, out of fresno we're having a bunch of crystal balls roll in for for michigan here recently as well so he could be another one who um you know is leaving is leaving uh california yeah yeah so we continue to add to that um before we let you go charles did want to touch on the number one linebacker in the top 24 7 smale munden announced his top five he's got auburn florida georgia lsu and tennessee the Bulldogs, Georgia has all eight votes right now in the 24-7 sports crystal ball to keep an in-state product uh, closer to home. Uh, what, what do you think of him as a prospect? What makes him our number one linebacker in the top 24-7? Yeah, so when we were going through the last, when we were doing the defensive update, I guess that was about two months ago, a little under two months ago, going through the linebackers, I think we all kind of, thought that he probably was the top linebacker in the class as things stand right now. Um, he is, has, he has really good size. First off, I, I think when you look at this, this linebacker group, a lot of these guys are a little undersized. I mean, he's six three two twenty with, with length. He's um, a very good athlete. He's a track athlete and he plays all over the field for his high school plays offense. Um, they hand in the ball. They'll throw it to him. Uh, he makes a lot of plays in special teams in addition to defense. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, my, my player comparison for him was, was Jalen Smith, the former five-star Notre Dame linebacker who's with the Cowboys now. Uh, in that, I, I think the, the size and, and physical traits are similar. And I also think Smale Munden kind of has that versatility where he could be a guy who I think he had, I, I, I don't really consider him an edge prospect, but he, you, you could line him up as a stand-up edge rusher. But I think he has the skill set to be a space linebacker, an off-ball linebacker, a guy who can drop into coverage um, at 6'3". You know, he'll, he'll probably play, I would imagine, if he's 220, 215 now, I would imagine he'll probably play at 240 um, after a year in a, a, a college strength and conditioning program. So, um, yeah, I, I think he kind of has a total package in terms of physical skills, and he shows kind of what you want to see from from linebackers and just the general playmaking ability, physicality, um, you know, his athleticism transfers over the field. He runs sideline to sideline um, in pursuit, just a natural fluid mover. So, um, you know, I hopefully we'll get a closer look at him, um, you know, moving forward. But uh, he was a guy that we made a five-star in, in the defensive update. And I think as things stand right now, he's, you know, a, 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 at least the, the front runner as, as a top linebacker um, in, in the country. So, um, you know, he's definitely going to have one of the more high-profile recruitments moving forward. And, 
you know, a lot of schools kind of in the mix, but like you said, it, it seems like Georgia's the, the favorite, at least in the crystal ball. So um, I know he's a, a top target for all those teams and um, I'm looking forward to just kind of seeing how that shakes out. Yeah. I mean, those are some really good options for a linebacker specifically, right? You're, you're talking about all five SEC schools, but when you think of linebacker, you, you know, you think of LSU and Georgia and even what Tennessee has been able to do with, with coach Pruitt recently in Florida, Auburn. I mean, those are, a really good selection of him of of, of linebacker schools for Smale Munden. Charles, thank you so much for for joining us. So we'll we'll do it again soon. Sure thing. Sounds good. All right, that's Charles Power. You can follow him on Twitter at Charles Power. He's a national analyst for Twenty Four Seven Sports. A reminder: if you listened to our mailbag episode last week, we're setting up another one for 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 the coming weeks as well. So if you want to have your recruiting questions answered by our team of analysts, make sure to submit your questions in a five-star Apple podcast review. Thank you so much for listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.